Hello everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a very special return guest. Uh, introduce yourself, special return guest. Hi, I am the return of Stacy Rosen. I am the theme song writer for both incarnations of this podcast. Whoa, Stacy Rosen. The Stacy Rosen. What a thrill. Yes. Not the Stacy Rosen that complained about her wedding photographer in Fairlawn, New Jersey. For years, if you Googled <laughs> me, that's who you would find. Interesting. I did have a problem, as it would be, with my wedding videographer. videographer. Yes, but that's a whole different story for another podcast. And and today we are talking about the story in which uh, minutes 31 and 32 of The Great Muppet Caper happen. And uh, in these minutes, we start with Fozzie trying to guilt Kermit into taking him with on his date. And then uh, the three our three heroes sing most of the song, Stepping Out with a Star. So, yeah. Before that happens, though, uh, we hear the punchline from last week. Oh, good. Uh, Kermit wishes he has whisk- wishes that he had whiskers. Why? Well, uh, of co- the problem is that, of course, then you'd have to use a blade. It's a good joke. Which... It's pretty much the same as uh, when they're on the plane and Kermit says he wants to read for a while. And then he says, I wish I had a book. I wish I had a book. Yeah, it's pretty right. much the and... same joke, but it's still funny. Well, and I, I always felt like there should be a third one. Like, it, it, it feels like there's... Sh- I mean, I guess in the Muppet movie, you only see Carol Kane twice right. saying myth, right? So maybe maybe that's just the thing, is they only do running gags twice, but... So where the, would it be in this one? Um, You know, maybe something when they're trying to get into the Mallory Gallery. Kermit has an idea and then says that he wishes he had that thing, or whatever. Yeah, that would yeah. probably be about the time for it. Right. But anyways, it doesn't happen. So, uh, but this one's good. Yeah, I, I, honestly, it's one of my favorite jokes in the movie. I think of it often while shaving. <laughs> Do you shave without a blade? I, no, I shave with a blade, okay. but then I'll think like, I wish I didn't have to shave. Of course, then I wouldn't have to use a blade. Yeah. So uh, then, a- after that, Fozzie says, Kermit, turn around. Like, he has to tell him something so serious, which <laughs> I always loved. Kermit, turn like, look at me. Look at me when I ask you. Are you really going to go without me tonight? <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just Fozzie laying on the guilt so thick. He's heartbroken though. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. This is this is something that he didn't even consider might happen. Like, well, you know how twins see. are. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. Yeah, they, they do everything together. together. Yeah. They got that freaky twin thing where they where they can communicate without language. I like that Fozzie uh, gives that line while he's helping wipe the shaving cream off of Kermit's face, so that's a nice little gesture. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I like it. Well, he's um, a real good sport, because it wasn't until this viewing that I really realized how heartbroken Fozzie is, and Kermit just totally, with no transition, goes right into ordering him around in this song. It's kind of striking. Yeah, huh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, well, yeah. And so there's some great acting by Frank Oz with the whole, like, he says, oh, no problem, but you can tell it's such a problem for Yeah, him. it's a problem! Right. And right, Kermit just sure. kind of is like, oh, good, and just kind of moves on past it. I think Kermit is sort of willfully, uh, he's being willfully oblivious. I think he knows, well, but he just wants to move past it. Well, and, and 
the thing is, Frank Oz is playing it so real, and then Kermit has to do this very obvious, old-fashioned, like, we're about to do a song lead-in dialogue. You know, the, the well, Fozzie, I figure this is something I have to do alone. Isn't, it, it, it's the opposite of natural. Like, we, we've talked about how artificial this movie feels. Yeah. And that's, like, in an old musical that, you know, there's often a, a line of dialogue where it's, like, you can tell it was recorded in a studio. Right. <laughs> you, you know, uh, in, in a recording booth, like, for the soundtrack. And th- this is, like, cl- I think intentionally that, but it also shows the difference between Fozzie, who has this very raw emotion, and Kermit, who's just like, oh, d- we're done with that, we're going to do a song now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ready for the next thing. But Fozzie's such a doormat. Just like within seconds, he's handing him his cufflinks and straightening his tie. And saying, yes, sir. <laughs> right? he's, he's very, yeah, he just goes right along with it. Sheesh. Right, right. So uh, the, the song is, of course, Stepping Out with a Star. And we've talked a lot about this movie being like an old musical. This feels so much like specifically something from a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers yep. movie, right? I, I think that's completely the intention. Um, and I mean, t- to the point where this is a little later on in the minutes, but... Kermit dances with a hat rack here. Yeah. Which which Fred Astaire famously did in Royal Wedding. Yeah. You can so seek that scene out on YouTube, and I encourage everyone to do so. Or you can just watch Royal Wedding uh, anywhere, because it's in the public domain. You oh. can watch it on YouTube. Wow, it's, there it's, you go. Yeah. Watch Royal Wedding with Fred Astaire. Yeah. It's a great movie. It has, it has How Can You Believe Me When I Said I Love You When You Know I've Been a Liar All My Life. Which is also the full title my, of that song. <laughs> and which was a song performed on The Muppet Show by Kermit and Miss Mousy. There you go. What more so, can you ask for? So, so it has a couple of different Muppet connections. Um, great movie. But anyways, uh, here, even aside from that specific reference, it feels very much like Fred Astaire doing his do, doing his dance in a you know a nineteen thirties comedy or something. Yeah, this whole uh, this whole number is just like a series of delightful moments. Like, what can we do on this line? What can we do on this line? Right. Although, uh, we, Stacey, you mentioned Kermit ordering Fozzie around. One of yeah. the early early lines here is, um, you know, go come hand me my cufflinks and straighten my tie. Just drench me in rich cologne and don't ask me why. <laughs> like, it's so... He's so, like, I don't need you to to talk back. He's being very demanding. Just... Right, like, like, like Kermit's in charge. Just polish these shoes that I'm not actually wearing. Right. Well, and and even go on and pluck me a boot. And y- is Fozzie supposed to go pick the flowers himself? <laughs> <laughs> well, he does though. Fozzie, yeah, suppose, Fozzie pulls so, yeah. a dead flower out of the flower pot and then looks at it and then tosses it over his shoulder, which I love. <laughs> Do you think the flowers were dead when they arrived at the hotel? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they've been there for years, probably. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, is the ukulele like an amenity of the hotel, or are we <laughs> to believe that they pack this, or what's going on there? Where does he get the ukulele? Does he just pull it off a shelf? It just yeah, it's just like sitting on a dresser. It. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, something I always love about Muppets too, where <clears throat> any Muppet can suddenly play any instrument, whether we've ever seen them play it before or not. <laughs> is so, that the first time he's played? I'm pretty sure. No, this he, is the, has Fozzie well, played the ukulele before? He pl- well, did, did we determine that he's playing a guitar in the Muppet movie? It's just a miniature guitar? I think it's a guitar, yeah. Well, ukulele's okay. not so different. The chords are different, but, you know, the way you play sure. is the same. 
Well, he certainly plays <laughs> a guitar in, in the desert in the Muppet movie. I'm always hyper aware of when Muppet guitars are being played like lefties, which with, you know, hand and rod puppets, they always are. But it's fun to see, you know, Fozzie's playing it like a righty. The That's traditional true. Way, cause he's right, got... right. Because he's alive hands. Yeah. Right. And so presumably uh, Frank Oz is doing just Fozzie's head and another puppeteer is doing both of Fozzie's arms, I would guess. Yeah. Oh, playing the eagle. The term the live yeah. hands has always been really confusing to me because... The Swedish chef, like, literally has live hands. <laughs> right, right. The, Swed- the Swedish chef has human hands, yeah. Well, I think live hands just means that you can do things with them, right? Okay. He can, they not, can pick things not. up, they can, yeah. Right. Er- er- Ernie has live hands with which to torment Bert, but Bert's greatest <laughs> curse is that he has dead hands, which he cannot reciprocate. Ernie can use his live hands to pick up Rubber Ducky and squeak it incessantly. And Bert can just drape his uh, paper clips over his, his like, (laughs) rod arm, right? Anyways, Ernie and Bert are good. Yes, they are. All right, um, so, but who is in this, played by Jim Henson and Frank Oz, Kermit and Fozzie? And um, Gonzo is here as well. And... Kermit uh, says, call for the car, and Gonzo whistles out the window for a car, which I always thought was such a nice touch. Yeah, Gonzo doesn't have a lot to do in the song, but he's, yeah, he's participating. So I didn't remember that that's how he calls the car, because I don't know if you know this, Anthony, but Ryan and I performed a rendition of this song at a cabaret in New York City. Um, I did not. A, a Joe Raposo cabaret that I put together, and he was the Fozzie to my Kermit, and when I say call me a car, he goes, car! So I was, like, pretty sure that that's how it was in the original movie. Oh, no, Ryan wrote that. Yes, no, Well, the other sure thing did. is, I did not do that in rehearsal. I waited until we yeah! were Yeah! Way to throw me off. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good, though. That's solid. Thanks. You're good. So, you and Gonzo should fight about how to do it. No, I'll, I'll you know, Gonzo did it first, so... You'll defer to Gonzo? Absolutely. <laughs> He's a pioneer. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, of course, of course he is. Um, but yeah, you're right. He d- doesn't do a ton here. I mean, um, but I w- so let's talk about Kermit's outfit. Yes, because well, and a lot of the lyrics here are about Kermit's clothes too, which is funny because Kermit doesn't usually wear clothes. This is true, right? But he looks so cute when he just has his boxer shorts and his shirt on. Yes. He's such a cute little buddy. It's funny how we never think of him as being naked, but now that he's wearing boxers, Gonzo has to, like, cover his eyes and not see him in his underwear. Right. Speaking of which, like, why is Gonzo... Like, why is he so scandalized, but also, like, wants to peek through his face? I know. It's It's so strange. It's funny, too, because Gonzo gasps and covers his eyes... As Kermit is putting his pants on, on, you would think that that would happen right. when he takes his pants off. Yeah. Like, 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 what did Gonzo see while Kermit is putting his pants on? It's possible this was edited in a way, like, maybe Gonzo was reacting to something different initially, <laughs> like, him putting the boxers on, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I, I don't remember where I found this, but I have a, a quote from a 1981 interview with the choreographer of this movie, Anita Mann. She said... It took three meetings to determine how Kermit was going to put his pants on in that scene where he gets dressed to go out with Miss Piggy. But Jim and Frank are geniuses. They always say, let's try it, and most of the time they pull it off. So you can just imagine that it took them hours to figure out how Kermit was going to get his pants on, and it right. just goes well, by in a well, split second here. 
and and we see we do see Kermit pull it. It looks like he pulls his pants on. Yeah. Right. But his feet are just out of frame, so I feel like it was pretty People. easy for someone to like grab sure. them and pull them on or whatever. Yes, I but think. Then, but then we. But that's why we cut to Gonzo. I think is so we can cut back and Kermit's pants are all the way up. Like we don't right. need to see Kermit. We don't need to see Kermit fasten his pants. We can't. And obviously. I have a note right here that says the puppetry of getting dressed is really great in this song. Yeah. Right? I, right. I well, think it, his hands are are attached to the pants and there's maybe a puppeteer just working his legs down underneath. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, and even like um uh Gonzo holds up Kermit's velvet vest, right? Go on and get me a velvet vest. Gonzo holds it up. Then we cut to Fozzie picking up his ukulele, and then we cut back to Kermit, who now has a vest on. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, while we're looking at Fozzie, Kermit has put on, or Gonzo has helped Kermit put his vest on, and we didn't, ne- n- neither of them can actually do that, so we don't see it, but it feels like we saw. True. Very clever. And I'd be remiss to say that Anita Man definitely sounds like the punchline of a knock-knock joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um... And oh oh, also similarly to that, this isn't this isn't getting dressed uh, specifically, but when Kermit says, "I'll sweep her right off her feet wherever we are," we see Kermit land on the bed, kind of as he says that. Yeah. Like it feels like we see him jump onto the bed, which I'm sure there's like a hole in the bed, right? Because like we see Kermit's whole body and he's moving pretty freely. It doesn't seem to be an animatronic, but like as we cut to him. He's just kind of settling in. Like, we see the landing, but we don't see the jump. But it feels like he has just jumped off <laughs> onto the Definitely. bed. Definitely. You mean when he's sitting on the bed? Yeah, yeah when he's sitting on the bed. Yeah. He's kind of like, pop on yeah, this We whole see thing him head toward done... the bed, and then we see him, like, land on it, but yeah. we don't actually see him in the air. This all. whole thing must have been done in just so many little bits and pieces that they had to put together. Right. It, it had to have been planned out so carefully. Yes. And Speak- don't think of, like... I've never once thought about any of this no, until, until watching it for this. Yeah. Speaking of landing, how did they get that hat to land on his head? I can't figure it out. I oh, think yeah. there's more than one shot there. Like, yeah, uh, de- definitely Fozzie throws it in like a very wide shot and then that's it lands one shot. on his head. But I even though even the shot. Yes, but when it lands it still seems unlikely that it would have landed and then it doesn't seem like they cut after that, like it stays on his head. So right. I'm trying and, to figure out what happens right. there. And it doesn't seem like they did it backwards or anything. Well, right? that was like, my first thought. Because then we he only then continues singing for a couple more words before it cuts again. So I was wondering if they had him sing, like, you know, lip sync backwards, yank the hat off his head and then run it backwards. Huh. But, uh, I don't know. It's, How often do you think they did that in Muppet stuff? Uh, it's it's a useful trick for when you know when it happens to be the easiest thing. Hmm. Right. Well, and and also, I mean, here when Kermit says, "I'm ready to fly," he jumps from the head of the bed off the foot of the bed. Right. So, like, was Kermit on a rod that they painted out for that? I think or something? it must be something like that, like or some you know some kind of there marionette must be some, style, some like rigging, yeah that that has been removed, and it wouldn't have been removed digitally in in 1981 either. You know, right. like now. Constantine's jumping around, kicking guys in the face or whatever. Like, you know that they just painted the puppeteer, like, digitally removed the puppeteers. 
Right. Is there no but, behind the scenes footage in the way there was of like the bicycle rig in the Muppet movie? You know, there is for like the bike scene in this. You see behind the scenes footage from that all the time. Okay. Um, but oh, yeah. is this the movie I'm thinking of with the bike bicycle scene in the park where they're all? Oh, yeah. right, this, the, this scene. Yeah, okay. in the Muppet yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. Kermit just rides his bike by himself. Yeah. Right. No, this is the one I've yeah. seen all the footage of in the park. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's mostly just photos behind the scenes from this one. I suppose so. Yeah. But they do, you, you get very detailed explanations for it. Right. You know, there's, there's like multiple documentary segments where it's like, here's, here's how they did the bikes in the Great Muppet King. Yeah. Um, possibly, most notably, on the Jim Henson Hour episode, Secrets of the Muppets, where Jim Henson explains it all. The, where Jim Henson and JoJo the dog explain Jim it Henson all. Jim Henson and JoJo the dog, um, yes. The Jim Henson Hour is the peak of human achievement. So, yes, I agree that that's the most notable. I would not argue with that. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and uh, for, for listeners who really do want to hear Ryan and I ramble on about the Jim Henson Hour, or see us do it, we once wrote a 16-part article series about that show that ran for 12 episodes. We reviewed every episode. Wait, how did you do 16 for 12 episodes? We, we did every episode. We also did the pitch film, the like pilot, kind of, and then we did a two-part wrap-up. Oh, wow. Yeah, where we, we discussed it. Where we, where we had an actual conversation. Yeah. I'm going to go read them all again right now. Everybody Me should. Too. Pause. Every, pause this, read all 16 of those, and then tell us that you want us to do a podcast about the Jim Henson Hour. Um, but, yeah. So, anyways, there's a lot of puppetry tricks in this that I'm not... I don't have a keen enough eye to really know what they're doing. So, a- any listeners who know more about how they did some of this stuff please let us know because we are genuinely very interested well here's another one too when he's standing on the bed we see his whole body and he's he's sort of back near the wall so in that case there must be a hole in the wall and and jim henson has his hand stuck through yeah i i, I was kind of wondering can we see the shadow of jim's arm like oh the shadow kind of looks like it has something protruding from it oh. that's not Kermit shaped. So yeah, I, I, I kind of think right. you can you can see the sh- not Jim's actual arm, but like just the shadow there. Are you talking about in the little shadow scene where the shadow Kermit is no, dancing? No, right before that when Kermit is just standing by, like on the bed by the wall, mm. and he's yeah, like, yeah. I I feel like you can definitely see it. Yeah, so that's but, a, but, a a hand puppet, and then it cuts to a close up shot with the the hat. And then it cuts to the shot where he leaps off the bed, which has to be a different kind of puppet. So they're really just using everything here. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then as we discussed earlier, the bridge happens and uh, Kermit dances with a hat rack like Fred Astaire, which is a delight. Sure is. And it would, well, what's weird is in, uh, and I don't need to bring up Royal Wedding over and over, but in that movie, the joke was kind of Fred Astaire can, can make any partner look good, even an inanimate object, right? And in this one, Kermit is as alive as the hat rack. Yeah. (laughs) Well, another thing I wonder, there must have been another puppeteer under the hat rack, right? Probably, yeah, I bet so. Why not? Or is Jim, I guess maybe Kermit's hands are attached to the hat rack. Maybe Jim did that all himself. I don't know. But it's all just very pleasant. Yeah, it's great. I feel like this is like the biggest nod to musical theater, even more so than... Manhattan Melodies. Like, this is straight up old Hollywood musical at its finest. Right, right. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It 
it feels like, I mean, it feels like that specific movie, but also like this movie is an old timey movie musical. Yeah. Right. Mark Manhattan is not like for the most part, doesn't feel like a Broadway musical. Even no. Manhattan melodies. Feels no, they're like going a scene for something from, different. An, from an eighties comedy. You know? Right, 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 right. Um, so it's just, it, it really is impressive how, how much this movie is obsessed with musicals that were 30, 40, 50 years old at the time. At the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's great. I love it. And then uh, Kermit, uh, Kermit's shadow tap dances without him. Yes. <laughs> after he finishes dancing with the hat rack. Which love it. I, I guess, I, how do they do that? Is it double exposure? Is it like they shot the shadow? I'm Is it just thinking... shadow puppetry behind a wall, maybe? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking that must have just been another Kermit. Because the set would have been built up anyway, so the puppeteers yeah. can hold their arms in the air. So there must be another Kermit between our, you know, our Kermit and the wall, and they they lit it in such a way that only the other Kermit cast a shadow. That's my guess. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. I'm sure that gag has been done before when his the, the shadow dances on its own, but it sort of reminds me of like Mary Poppins when the other ver- when her reflection sings to her. And then yeah, interestingly right, right. enough, it's a few seconds before he sings to his reflection and Piggy pops in. So it really like made me think of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love this this little tiny gag when Kermit is singing uh, Stepping Out with a Star. That star is you. He looks at the mirror, and then Piggy's face appears in the mirror. And then when Kermit dances away, Piggy sort of looks around like, wait, huh? Where'd he go? Yeah, yeah, that's good. But do you think that original line, Stepping Out with a Star, that star is you, is about Piggy? Or do you think he's kind of like talking to himself initially? Like, that he's well, the star. Like, because she's making him the star tonight. Like, No, I I mean, I think it's her because, like, she's Lady Holiday, right? He considers right. her to be a celebrity. Right. He's excited that he's going out with Lady Holiday. Right. The yeah. famous fashion designer whom he does not know what she looks like. He is the worst reporter. He's <laughs> terrible at his job. Um, you know, that's another thing I was going to say about Fozzie. The whole reason Fozzie is on this trip is so that the two of them together can investigate the story. So what is the point of Fozzie even being there if he doesn't get to go meet Lady Holiday? Yeah. Yeah, right. it's not about a date. Good call. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kermit's just, uh, he's, got, he's got the hots for Lady Holiday. <laughs> he does. Um, so, and... That just about brings us down to the end here. Um, they sing a little a little bit more. Have I got class, Kermit says, and Fozzie echoes him. Have I got chic? Have you got chic? And we don't know. We'll find out next week if he does. It, it ends <laughs> on another cliffhanger. So anything else before before we're done about these minutes? Stacy, I'll start with you. Um, No, I, th- I think that's it for me. Just I don't know if you know this, but I demanded to be on the minutes for this song. And I also demanded to be at the beginning of the song so you wouldn't talk about things before my episode that I might want to talk about. Oh. So, well, so, well, so tell me then, like, of this song. Tell, but so tell me, like, why, why this song in particular? I think a lot of it does have to do with my personal love for old movie musicals and just how timeless this scene feels. I think the puppetry is amazing. I think it's just, you know, 
Joe Raposo's music, I, I love what he writes. But when I was doing kind of a my own little study on Muppet composers, when I compared like Jeff Moss's music, for example, to Joe Raposo's, Jeff Moss's often seem more theatery to me and more cabaret and jazzy. And Joe Raposo's are often more kind of like meandering melodies that I also love. But this particular song, I think, really, you know, captures that sort of, you know, musical theater style that I think oftentimes Jeff Moss, at least in Sesame Street, was capturing. And obviously... Can you think of any examples of the Jeff Moss theater oh, sounding songs? sure. Let me think. What was the one, the Grouch song that he wrote? The Grouch Anthem? No, the one that I performed, Grandmother. Oh, If You're I, a Grouch Like Me? If You're a Grouch Like Me, that one feels really, like, big bandy. Yeah. Um, what are some other ones? I'd have to look at I didn't the, mean to put you on the spot. That's okay. I'd have to look at the song list that I did for that. But it, it, their their styles are, you know, distinct enough that you can... You know, I, I can usually tell who's written a song if it's right, between right. the two of them. Well, one, a Jeff Moss song that always struck me as very theatrical because it's like a point-counterpoint song is Breakfast Time. Yes. Ernie, Ernie and Cookie Monster. And that was the song that we opened the Jeff Moss Cabaret with. Me and the pianist that I collaborated with, we did that. And oh, awesome. Yeah, those songs, yeah, they feel very theatrical. Um Everybody's song, I think he wrote, didn't he? That's another one. Oh, maybe. But then, you know, like the Muppet movie soundtrack, as much as we love those songs, you know, Paul Williams' style is not that style. Um, It's more pop music. It's more pop, yeah. So, like, this really spoke to me, uh, this song in particular. I love it. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. There's some clever lyrics, too. We didn't really talk a lot specifically about the lyrics, but... Um, I, I really like busting into the upper crust as easy as pie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. There's so much going on there. Not only, you know, the the, pl- the pie play on words, yeah. but the actual, I don't know, the terminology for what's happening with the mouth when you do that song, that, that line, busting into the upper crust. Like, yeah, there's just great yeah, sure, stuff sure. happening yeah. with sounds there. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I mean, we talked about most of, I mean, you know, I... I guess I was hosting, so I made a point to mention all my favorite lines. Um, <laughs> you know, the uh, pluck me a boutonniere and some of that stuff. And I like, did you Great. notice how they pronounce boutonniere specifically it very so, French. so so it'll rhyme with air? Oh, right. You oh, know, right. Yeah, yeah. they manipulated the sounds. Moving up and walking on air. Yeah, air. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he does, uh, on someone else, I swear, the savoir faire. Oh, yeah. Internal rhyming within the sentence. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. It's so good. What a great song. Um, so, R- Ryan, did you have anything else other than other than the things you just said? I, that's pretty much... I, I just love this song. It really... Like I said, it, it just feels like they sat down when they were planning this number and just... So let's have every shot have something entertaining in it. So I, I love that. All right. So uh, before we go, Stacy, um, we'd like to ask all of our guests. So what's your history with The Great Muppet Caper? Like, do you remember when you first saw it? Yeah, I do. And it's a little shameful, actually, because I had not watched it until Ryan and I started dating. Oh, no um, kidding. Yeah, that's true for the Muppet movie also. Wow. Believe it or not... The Muppets Take Manhattan was enough to make me 
a, a I'd say a bigger than average Muppet fan, you know, sure, when I was yeah. a kid, that movie was enough. Like I knew, you know, I studied um, Jim Henson when I was younger and, you know, I fell in love with them in that show, in that, you know, production. Um, but I had never seen the other stuff. I watched Muppet Babies. I had seen the Muppet show. I remember Muppets Tonight. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I had not seen those movies. So I got to experience it for the first time, I think, possibly on the big screen at the Museum of the Moving Image. Oh, was that your first time? I think that might have been oh, my be first fantastic. time. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be terrific, if you will. Yes. But I'll tell you this, you know, it's not a movie where, you know, you had, I don't think nostalgia plays a factor in it because I didn't have that element. And I, I mean, I had the characters, of course, you know, I knew and loved them from childhood, but I had no connection to the movie and I, I just loved it immediately. I could understand why it was Ryan's favorite mother sure. film. Yeah, yeah. And I can actually share that on our way to a New Year's gathering, uh, the evening that we became an official couple, do you remember, Ryan, we were walking in the ice and we were singing, Hey, a movie. And then there was one part where we started doing starring everybody and we kept just doing random and me's and Aww. Ryan said to me I love that you know we each knew which character we were in each of those <laughs> and me's I didn't tell him that this then but I'll tell you this now I really had no idea which characters <laughs> I was being the various times <laughs> I you were just me. you were just doing Muppet Muppety voices sure I was just yeah, doing Muppety voices are you telling me that night that we decided to to date exclusively was based on a lie <laughs> there may have been a, there may have been a little fiblet uh, oh well on that on that scandalous note we will uh we will close it for today stacy thank you so much for being here thank you so thank much you for, for writing our theme me. thank you so much for writing our theme music twice now my pleasure and uh listeners you can always check out toughpigs.com on the internet facebook twitter all over the place you can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Stacy, where can our listeners find you online? I'm also on Twitter. You can find me at Stacy Said What. Just note that Stacy is spelled S-T-A-C-I. You can you can sometimes find Stacy and I baffled, baffled trying to understand what each other uh, see in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. A show, a show that we both like for very different very reasons. Very different. Completely I, I different feel reasons. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, listeners, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell all your friends to listen to the show and join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye.